Under the Dome Radio, initial reactions to Reconciliation, Season 2, Episode 5, recorded July 28th, 2014. From Chester's Mill, it's Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome Episode 32, we're going to have show notes over at underthedomeradio.com slash 32. And we want to hear your feedback and include it in our full discussion episode later this week. So please visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. We want to hear your thoughts and your theories because there's a lot to talk about. I'm Wayne Henderson, and I just want to let you know that I am your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, sitting over here on this side of Chester's Mill. Not sure if I'm on Julia's side or Big Jim's side, but either way, I'm along for the ride because it's going to be a wild one. Yes, it is. This episode, I, the pacing, I don't know what to think of this episode other than lots of great stuff and a little bit of eye rolling. But like we touched on before, Troy, the producers obviously don't take themselves too seriously. Otherwise, some of this stuff would not be in there. Yeah, but this is a summer popcorn flick, if you want to call it that, for a television perspective. And I really like the fact that they're going that route because for the most part, this episode this week, I really enjoyed from the fact that I'm a book reader because it felt more along the lines of what the book was trying to get across. And because of that, I felt I didn't know which side to cheer for. And I felt that way as I read the book. I don't know if you felt that way. I, it didn't necessarily change who I might have been rooting for, but I did get a sense that some aspects from the book were definitely tied into this episode, especially the fact that a lot more people in Chester's Mill are starting to go crazy. Well, and that's the real big question is the crazy part, because I don't know if people are acting crazy because the dome is causing something with this EM field or what have you, or if people are just going crazy because they've been cooped up for two weeks. I think they're just crazy because they've been cooped up for, uh, and it's got to be well over two weeks by now. Even if it's just an episode a day, we're we're getting beyond the two week period, closer to three weeks. Yeah, I suppose we're. But f- this is what five episodes in, so five plus thirteen is eighteen days. We've been under the dome, and come to think of it, being a hoarder, I guess, is actually a good thing. Yes, it was great to see Andrea Grinnell, played by Dale Raul, back on the scene again. We actually get to see her house and being a hoarder and her late husband, uh, Lloyd, I think he, she said his name was him being a survivalist. They have stockpiled enough food to pretty much really help out things in Chester's Mill, especially after the unfortunate explosion at the uh, food bank. Now, there's two things that I want to bring up regarding Andrea's character, because I think they did a really good job this evening trying to throw us off the scent. It almost seemed like when she said that the Sweetbriar had this basement full of stuff, that maybe she was transitioning the food from the Sweetbriar to this secret stash that Phil had at the fire station. So I thought at first that Andrea was on the bad side, I guess we want to call it right on, on Phil's side. But at the same time, I have this question of what did Andrea's husband know did he have premonitions kind of like Pauline did? Because he said when the when the crisis was about to start, she she had that line. 
And I wonder if she meant like he maybe had a foreshadowing of this particular event. I had the same exact thought when she talked about him being a survivalist and knowing that some sort of disaster is bound to happen and they needed to have plenty of food. I was thinking the same thing. Did he foresee the dome? What did Lloyd know? Um, I think we're on the same page here. I don't know how they're going to tie things back. Maybe it's something to do with back in 1988 as well. Who knows? Listeners, what do you think? 904-469-7469. The thing that really stands out too then is they introduced us to Lloyd. So are we going to see more of Lloyd? Was Lloyd involved with the four hands back in 1988? I'd like to know now more about Lloyd. Just I'd like to know more about all the different people like Dodie's mom, for example, who are trapped outside of the bubble. Right. Anybody that's was alive in the late eighties, we need to know more about, because I have a feeling the whole town of Chester's mill might've had something go on. And I think more than just those four people knew about it back in the day. Let's talk relationships. I know we're not Dr. Drew or Adam Carolla or anything on love line or something, but Oh my goodness. (laughs) We're okay. If we have to, let's do it. Let's talk about relationships. Let's get it over with. Do you think that the reconciliation as the episode is titled between Julia and Barbie was a little bit too easy. Yes. Next. Did you expect Melanie and Joe to play K I S S I N G underneath a tree in the forest this soon? No, that was ridiculous. Come on. They're kids. What else you get? Of, what else you get to do under the dome? <laughs> let's just say that I, my personal vote, I am at Wayne Henderson on Twitter. I think they wasted way too much time on all of the kissing and all of that stuff in this episode. Those valuable minutes could have been used to show us more of Lyle Chumley, uh, some of his great ideas that he's got going on out and about wherever he is. We could have been shown some of that, or even more of a junior. Or don't call me junior. We'll call him James now almost getting killed by patriotic uncle Sam. Well, the funny thing about that sequence was how obvious is it that you're dumping your drink in the sink? I was like, Oh my goodness. That stood out like a sore thumb. Like I totally could see that that was going to happen. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like the oldest trick in the book. And you know, it's one thing to do it a little bit sly so that us, the viewers can see it, but not James don't call me junior. But this was way over the top. I was like, wow. Well, and the interesting thing was, I like that they actually brought up the fact that Sam had not had a drink since the dome came down. Because that was the biggest question we had was, if he's the town drunk, and yet he seems pretty mentally sound this whole time this season, there has to be a reason for it. And I guess we got that reason this evening. Well, let's just say he may seem mentally sober, but I don't know about mentally sound. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Sam, Sam is off the deep end. I mean, he's planting evidence against Lyle in the barbershop. He's throwing Lyle under the bus and just about to kill his nephew, James. Wow. Creepy Sam is not a nice guy. Were you at all surprised that they gave the answer to Angie's killer so easily and so kind of nonchalantly as he's standing over junior with the pillow? Like if it it could have been any other way, I would have done it. 
including Angie. And so clearly we've just gotten the word that Sam is the killer. If you didn't know last week. I am not surprised at all. I think they wanted to kind of get that out of the way and lay it on the table so that we would all know that all this discussion about crazy Lyle Chumley is actually a frame frame job. What are your thoughts on Carolyn representing big Jim in this supposed potential trial that never actually happens? Is that a, <laughs> an easy way to bring her character back into the fold? I think so, because I, I know that a lot of lawyers, you know, they want to do the right thing. And even if somebody is hated by half the town, they, they will want to represent them and make sure that they, the justice rolls on the American way and, and all of that. So that was kind of believable, but oh my goodness, when Phil tried to kill her, I'm thinking what on earth has gone wrong with our good friend from last season, DJ Phil, who becomes sheriff, gets fired, goes on a bender and then becomes like a fire starter and a kidnapper murderer. Well, and I was wondering how long it was going to take for him to start doing something to Carolyn. He had that creepy look in his face, but yet he's having this conversation with her the entire time saying, Hey, you know, this food's just been here. It's, it's a good thing. And then you have this like, Holy crap. Realization moment on Carolyn's face. And that's when Phil turns and launches himself at her. Totally. I, I definitely. I give them props, both of them on a great acting in that scene. And I guess the big question is, will we find out next week that Phil was wearing a bulletproof vest? Cause he still was wearing his sheriff's uniform, even though he had to give up the badge. Did he have a bulletproof vest on or is Phil another casualty on under the dome? More importantly, where's Barbie been going to the shooting range to keep up his military skills because he pinpointed that bullet shot pretty cleanly over there in his non heart side shoulder. Maybe it's one of those things that's like riding a bike. You just never forget. I thought at this point, you know, right before Phil was shot, it would have been a really good time for Dodie to come back and haunt. Phil instead of Big Jim. She probably could have talked some sense into him, I would have think. That would have been really interesting to see. It would have added a little bit to the episode this evening. Now, I'm not saying the episode this evening was horrible in any way, shape, or form, but it was a little bit slower from the last two weeks in the amount of information that we were getting. And I don't know if that was because we had to put the brakes on just a little bit because we're getting so much information in the last two weeks, but it just felt like a different pace this week. And I'm still trying to wrestle with, again, we don't give our ratings until we watch it a second time, but I'm still wrestling with the, if the pace was just a little too slow for me this week, or if I'm actually going to come back and go, you know what? It, it was okay. I, I just really like the flavor of the two sided war between the Julia camp and the big Jim camp. I thought that was the best part of the episode. I just didn't know. It, it could have been a little faster paced, I think. And I wonder if part of that perception could have something to do with the fact that uh, Dwight Yoakam playing Lyle Chumley wasn't there this particular week because he's going to be a returning character, but not there this week. And we got so used to him the last two weeks being so crazy and devious that uh, maybe his presence not being there this week was kind of missed. Combine that with the creepiness of Rebecca Pine now, not so front and center as she's behind the jail cell and actually kind of having a conscience in the fact that she also decides to not take Big Jim's side when Barbie questions her. She's like, yeah, yeah, uh, I think I was asleep at that moment. 
I know I was starting to feel just a little bit for big Jim in that. I think Phil is out acting totally on his own and Rebecca Pine should have been forthcoming and said what she heard instead of saying that she's must've been asleep and missed it all. Yeah. I don't know which answer is worse. The answer of no big Jim's lying. He's really behind it all. Does that put you in hot water, big Jim or the nonchalant? Well, I don't know one way or the other so that you kind of keep yourself neutral. If that's worse, what do you think? That is an excellent question that I'm not prepared to answer. I'm still stunned that uh, big Jim was trying to butter up Phil and going so over the top and saying, Phil, you're the best sheriff this town has ever had. Even better than Duke. Even better than Duke. (laughs) Sheriff Esquivel. I'm thinking, uh, no matter how much booze Phil has, I don't think he's going to buy that line. Well, let's think about this logically here, because remember, Linda came to you as a ghost apparition of the dome. You don't say that Phil is better than Linda because, man, that ghost is going to come back and haunt you now. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. We also learned that Big Jim would have never made that mistake. I mean, Troy, would you have thought to have checked for the frayed wires? I wouldn't have bothered to fire up the generator in the first place because it was probably supplied by big Jim. And why was it a generator that didn't run on propane? That's just a really good propane has been such a big thing in the town. I just thought that was, that was quite an explosion. I will give them that. Well, and was it a generator or was it something else? That's they never really did quite get to the, how was the arsonist involved in blowing this up, did we take the generator frayed wire story at its face value because it's really not that important at the end of the day because we know that it was filled no matter what, or is there going to be more investigation into it? Or do we just wipe our hands clean? Like Julia said, and everybody's friends now. I think in the end, it doesn't really matter because we know it was filled, but it seemed like a pretty big explosion that had nothing to do with a, uh, with a generator. It was interesting to see in this episode that, James's mom has done a lot more hideous paintings than some of her other ones. What about that family portrait that he, uh, that uncle Sam threw the glass at? Wow. That was an interesting photo, but her painting. And then on the back, another 1821 mention and the locker number. Now I'm wondering, you know, the 1821, obviously it's the locker number and it's in a lot of her paintings. What if they go even further And the reason that 1821 is so important that it has something to do with the year 1821. Maybe Chester's Mill was founded back then. And that's when all of this stuff started. You know, that would be a very interesting tie in to go back to the incorporation date of the mill. I think that would be a very neat tie in all around. And then the question, of course, becomes who was that first founding member of Chester's Mill in does that have to tie back into what's really going to happen here? They could tell so many stories. Oh yeah. That aren't even really related to the dome itself that are just quite interesting. I think that's why it's great to know from Comic-Con that they could go either three or five seasons with the show. Yeah. They have uh, some plans in place. Let's go ahead and talk about the big scene at the end, because like on some episodes of lost and other television shows, we have the cheery, music everybody's happy because more food has been found it's like thanksgiving in july and then we get a little more somber because melanie cross goes to the science teacher miss pine to kind of look into her blood samples and see if anything weird is there 
but they are interrupted by the sounds of James and Sam breaking in to locker 1821. Man, they cause a lot of racket in the middle of the night. Well, I thought it was great too, that if this episode would have been on during the fall, it clearly would have been the one that they show right around the late October, early November Thanksgiving sequence that they try to build into those shows. I thought that was kind of funny, but I really like the fact that they had our lost shout out for the week by doing the downward panning of the camera from the top of the locker into the, the tunnel as Rebecca Pine called it totally resembles the, the hatch scene of the end of season one of lost, which was also recreated later on on fringe. But even before lost, there was a scene almost exactly like that on the JJ Abrams show alias. That's true. And there was also a reminiscent of that in uh, once upon a time when they were in the mine shaft as well. Very much so now. So now we know what's behind the locker and maybe just seeing that tunnel is what Angie supposedly got so freaked out about before she died. May she rest in peace. But didn't somebody else pop open the locker and they didn't really see much. And maybe there was a false back there that had to be really knocked out, I suppose. Yeah. And that's the question is how mysterious was the opening because it clearly it looked like Lyle had dug his way through and then he's probably down in that tunnel. But when they opened up the locker just last week with uh, Melanie, you could clearly tell that the locker was the inside of a locker. How easy is it to remove that back panel and get to the tunnel? And is that why Angie was able to see it because it was removed at that point? And then Sam or somebody obviously put it back into place. Yeah, I think putting it back in a place would be the tricky part, but I assume that Sam did that. And that's why he knew to bring uh, what they have of crowbars. They had a lot of noisy equipment. So I could see where banging out the back of the locker would cause, you know, quite a bit of uh, racket. So we still don't know about the blood. I assume they have to go back to that on next week's episode of Under the Dome to find out if there is something strange about Melanie Cross's blood. This is true. We'll have to see. Give us your theories, your thoughts. 904-469-7469. Be part of the fan reaction episode later this week or fill out the contact form on the website. That is under the dome radio.com slash feedback. And we'll be sure to get you featured on the podcast. And of course, potentially become an honorary under the dome DJ of the week. And I wanted to throw out another thing because this really struck me and it could just be something that I missed. I, I do miss a lot of things. I, I will admit that, you know, the side of the dome that Joe and Nori and Melanie Cross go to where they have her touch it. None of that nuclear devastation that we saw on the other side of the dome from the missile attack last season is there. I would have thought that it would have been a little more around the dome, but that side of the dome, totally green and flourishing on the outside world. Yeah, it wasn't a nuclear bomb. It was the biggest bomb they have in the arsenal that wasn't nuclear in nature. Oh, that's right. Okay. But still, the devastation on the other side of the dome was pretty bad. At least now that we know that all of this other food has been found, in addition to what's in the pantry, everything that Andrea Grinnell supplied, so goes Rebecca Pine's calculations for the town running out of food. I mean, those have to be recalculated from the ground up. Absolutely. And I think that'll be another whiteboard exercise for her little calendar, which she could actually number them the right way. Maybe we'll see. And rest in peace. Also protester Wendell. Yeah. Wendell. We hardly knew you. <laughs> we did hardly. Know. 
We did at least a name was put to him. He's not just log carrying guy or red shirt number three or anything. Gun toting man number one. All right. You gotta watch out for that guy every single time. Well, there was gun toting man number two and gun toting man number three when they were fighting between the Barbie, Carolyn, and Phil scene as well. Exactly. I think for now, until I get to watch the episode a second time, that's kind of all I got. I was laying it out there. We didn't get all that many answers, but we did get a lot more questions, I feel. Yes, and I think we're going to be in for a treat as we go down into that tunnel next week. So send in your thoughts and theories for that as well. What do you think is below Chester's Mill? 904-469-7469 is the number that you want to call to be on the podcast later this week. And we'll make sure we keep it warm for you because we want to hear all of the thoughts and theories around reconciliation. Until then, I'm Troy. And I'm at Wayne Henderson. Be sure to stay trapped under the dome. Under the dome radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, theorize over great television shows, and so much more, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.